0: Welcome to episode 641 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by thedigitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard.
1: And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows,
0: and games. Two weeks in a row, Richard. I know, right? Yeah. So, uh, but not two weeks in a row for feedback unless I missed it, which is entirely possible, maybe. But I don't think I did. So if you'd like to send us some feedback for a future episode, you can email us at entertainment at 20 digitalmediazone.com. And also all the rest of our contact information is in the show notes over at the website, www.thedigitalmediazone.com. And it'll be at the end of the show.
1: And not two weeks in a row for live show because I'm not home this week. So traveling makes it hard for us to do live. My apologies. We, well, I don't know about we, because I'm going to be away for the next, well, no, next week, yeah, next Wednesday I can't do a show. <laughs> That's not going to be, so I'm going to be away for two weeks, because I'm going to be at South By, mm. so uh, you. you're in good hands with Josh.
0: I think you should just do the show live from South By. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, it would be, like, and I
1: don't mean your hotel room,
0: like, at at one of the crazy things. No,
1: I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> Yeah, like (laughs) truly talking about movies, music, and shows, but I don't think that's going to happen. Just like grab some
0: famous movie director (laughs) and we'll do the show. It'll be great.
1: There you go. No
0: problem. I'm starting to question your commitment to the show, Richard. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Okay. I don't actually question your commitment to the show, but instead, maybe we should just jump into the news this week. And the news is kind of light um so we'll start with video like we normally do and this is even this first story is kind of just an update on a previous story back in january of course there was e th- e3 wow nope that's uh gone forever no there was ces the uh what used to be called the consumer electronic show not the game show and at ces lg was amongst the many companies that announced their new tvs well we now know basically dates and prices for all of their new OLED TVs which let's be honest we only really care about the OLEDs cuz they're the best ones so what we now know is the 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 new series that well there's really two series there's the C4 series and the G4 series uh and the C4 series is the slightly lower end line but still fantastic TVs The smallest size of the C4 available is a 42-inch display. That will be available in March for about $1,500. If that is way too small and not nearly enough money for you to spend. (laughs) At the opposite end of the spectrum is the 97-inch G4 OLED, which will only set you back about the price of a Honda Civic. Uh, or $25,000. So forget about buying your kids a new car. Get a 97-inch
1: OLED instead. Wow. Wow. Can you really... First of all, can you really still buy a Civic for $25,000? Probably not a Civic. Maybe a
0: Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, um it might not recommend really either of those. Uh, I, I think obviously more of the sweet spot is in the 65 to 75 inch range. And frankly, while the G4 series does tend to get slightly better specs and stuff, still most people would say the sweet spot really is in the C line. So the C4 is the 2024 model line to potentially be looking for. Right. And um what what do you get over the last year's C3s and G3s? Well, it's not a dramatic change this year. So really you're getting slightly brighter picture, which is always the thing that we're really looking for from new OLEDs and slightly more accurate colors. So not revolutionary, definitely more in the evolutionary range of upgrades over prior years. So if you've got a C3, maybe you're not going to rush out and buy a C4, but if it's been a while since you've purchased a TV and you've been holding out, well, in March, you're going to be able to get one of these. So if you are looking at uh, more of that 65-inch range, the 65-inch C4 will have a MSRP of $2,700. So if you want to go up to the 77-inch, it'll be $3,700. But again, that's pretty much as expensive as these TVs will get. These prices do tend to go down throughout the year and uh if you wait until the fall you'll probably be able to get them for a few hundred dollars less than those listed prices
1: yeah and i would expect that this means that the the threes will probably be on pretty significant discount when we get to the holidays this year oh if they're even
0: still around at that
1: point oh come on you can come on you can still buy a c2 can you Yeah. I'm going to
0: Amazon right now to check you. And to find out that you are indeed correct, Amazon has the 65-inch C2 for $1,400. The C3 is $1,700.
1: Yeah. So I think what we'll end up seeing is kind of like the pushing down of all of those. C2 will probably finally go away. C3 will probably be available at a nice discount. And... You know, as long as you don't care about the latest thing, because something to consider is LG is not good at putting new features in old versions of their TVs, then you should be okay with that.
0: You know, you say that, but they're really good at constantly pushing updates to their TVs. Oh, yeah that I'm constantly getting messages on my TV. Would you like to install the
1: software update now? Yeah, that you have to acknowledge, that probably don't work well with your universal remote. It's great. I love it. No, no. In in fact, the message says,
0: use the remote that came with your TV to acknowledge. It's so annoying.
1: Oh, it even says that? So that's actually good. That's good (laughs) that they've realized that it's... Going to confuse a lot of customers. (laughs) Right. Right.
0: Okay. So, only a couple of weeks before people can grab the new series if that's what you're looking for. All right. The next story, it's far more ambiguous. So, (laughs) (laughs) there's an organization that probably most people have never heard of. It is the ATSC 3.0 Security Authority, or as we're just going to refer to them as the A3SA. And they uh, announced just a couple of days ago, new rules about how DRM can be implemented for ATSC 3.0 DVR functionality. And this is pretty important because this DRM implementation that has been put in place by the A3SA and and the ATSC in general has really slowed down any real progress on ATSC 3 as a whole. Uh, Maybe as a quick recap for people who might not even remember what the heck ATSC 3.0 is, because it just sounds like a bunch of letters. (laughs) ATSC 3.0 is the newer standard for over-the-air television. If you've been using an antenna to watch over-the-air television ever since the original digital transition, which was what, like 2008, I think. Uh, that was ATSC 1.0. We skipped 2.0 entirely and went straight to 3.0. And the biggest benefits that uh, that we think are realistic uh, from ATSC 3.0 is over-the-air 4K video plus other functionality. And And that's where things started to get a little bit crazier. Like they could do two-way communication. There's There's all sorts of possibilities with ATSC 3.0. We haven't really seen that many of them. The main thing is we want some over-the-air 4K content, but they're trying to get DRM in here, and that's making everybody angry, and it's making the lives of the people trying to make ATSC 3.0 tuners and DVRs a whole lot more complicated. You might remember that at Last year, 2023's CES, we talked about a new ATSC 3.0 DVR that was announced by Tableau that then we ended up reporting on later in the year that Tableau basically shelved because they were having so many struggles with the DRM functionality. Silicon Dust also has ATSC 3.0 tuners that are actually already on the market, but don't officially fully support all of those standards. So this new announcement from the A3SA, yeah, A3SA, that is so hard to say. It's not any easier (laughs) to
1: say than ATSC 3.0 Security Authority. Sheesh. And it's even more annoying that it's an embedded acronym, right? So the first A stands for ATSC. (laughs) Right.
0: So- what What is this announcement? Well, even that is kind of vague. Uh, basically, they're like, hey, we've got new rules, and this is going to make it easier for hardware vendors that we've supposedly been partnering with to produce devices that will support uh, a DVR experience in your house across devices that you already have. They did list compatibility with uh, a bunch of different devices, including Android, Fire TV not iOS yet, which is interesting, Uh, Tizen, which is a, a web framework, which is on Samsung TVs. All of that sounds good, but it's a very vague announcement. And if you really, really read closely at the bottom of the announcement, it sure sounds like what they're doing is saying, we've got some new rules. Hardware manufacturers can implement it this way, but it's really only meant... For situations where the broadcaster, so like your local TV company, is simulcasting both an ATSC 3 signal and an ATSC 1.0 signal. And you might say, well, okay, that's fine. Like, they're probably going to be doing that forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, Not not really forever. And in fact, the rules for that uh, are only currently in place until 2027, which is only three years away and also these rules they're not put in place by like congress or even the fcc these are just rules that this governing this self-formed governing body of the companies interested in this stuff have put together which means they can change them whenever they want right so we don't really know what the impact of this will be it sounds like reasons to be optimistic and i I do want to go with that attitude from this story, but all we have to go off of so far is their announcement, because there haven't been official comments from any of the people that we're immediately thinking about, which would be Silicon Dust with their HD Home Run Tuners or Tableau. So it's another wait and see situation. I am going to try to be optimistic that maybe this means we will see updates along with DVR functionality from both of these players this year. But I don't know. (laughs) I I just don't know. It seems like if those two companies might have been the companies that the A3SA was working with, that maybe they would have coordinated joint releases, and that didn't happen here.
1: Yeah. You know, I am continually frustrated by the fits and starts that we see with ATSC 3. And this in particular just seems so absurd. How big is this audience really? Customers of one of those two hobbyist kind of spin your own DVR solution. Like, how big is this audience? that they really need to be so pedantic about this this restriction. I just don't understand it. It just seems it it seems like the industry doesn't ever learn how to get out of its own way. No.
0: No, you're you're completely right. They they seem to be approaching this in uh, by by focusing only on the solutions that have the highest potential of revenue and they see throwing DRM on top of things as a way of protecting revenue, not necessarily generating revenue, but preventing, uh, th- you know, theft, uh, uh, of content and things like that. But come on, it's broadcast. TV. A
1: friggin' broadcast, right? A broadcast <laughs> television. Like what, what are you going to do? You're going to make it rich by reselling uh, rebroadcast episodes of the golden girls from Ion. I mean, come on. (laughs) Interesting. uh, example there, Richard. It's, It's just, it's, it's just so absurd. It's just so absurd. I mean, obviously they're concerned about things like sports and other live events. That's where the real money is. And in all likelihood with organizations like the NFL and other sports leagues, they're the ones that are probably putting the crunch on to ensure that any sort of future broadcasts if they continue to go down that path and not just exclusively through streaming in the future are going to be well protected but come on it's no, just you're, it's you're totally right Ugh.
0: and and there is no bigger sport on broadcast television than the NFL
1: right right
0: so oh, yeah i think you're right I think you're right. So I mean, we'll th- keep. it. We you need on this. to
1: protect their monies because they're. You know, remember they're not for profit, so we have to protect their money. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Jeez. I, I. I was listening to a, a football podcast the other day, and they talked about how much the NFL salary cap is going up, and I thought how much of that is due to Taylor Swift. How much money did Taylor <laughs> Swift bring into the NFL this year? <laughs> wow. Anyway, we're going to keep an eye on this as we have been for years now. Uh, we would like to see ATSC three become a more mainstream thing. It, it's definitely being put into use in more markets. Um, it, it's still not in in my market, but it is in a lot of the bigger markets around the U.S. right now. And uh, I, I would love me some over the air four K TV to be able to watch eventually. So we'll keep an eye out. And with that we'll jump into the gaming news. Not a ton here either, but some interesting changes. So last week, the episode was all about how ads are the answer to everything. And uh, apparently that's spreading into another uh, area of the gaming market. This time around, it is with the NVIDIA GeForce Now service. So GeForce Now is NVIDIA's cloud gaming solution. It it allows you to connect to a computer running in the cloud that has, well, I was going to say Steam, but it's more than just Steam, the Epic Store and and some of those other stores work also for you to stream PC games from devices like Google TV or your phone or your your underpowered non-gaming PC uh, allows you to play all of those games that you might own in the cloud. And uh, GeForce Now has had a free tier of this service, and but the biggest limitation to the free tier is they only allow a certain number of users to use it at a time. So especially if you're logging on in the evening, you're going to be waiting in a queue for your turn to play. And what they're going to start doing on March 5th is as you are waiting in that queue, you will start seeing ads displayed to you. And it's obviously a, a, a big potential source of revenue for NVIDIA. And, you know, everything that I read in the financial markets is NVIDIA is really hurting for money right now. So... <laughs> <laughs> or they're becoming one of the largest companies in the world in terms of market cap. Definitely one of those two. Uh, so, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Nvidia is making money hand over fist with their involvement in the AI space. But sure, they they could use some more money from GeForce Now too. So, they're going to start showing ads. Frankly, I don't have a huge problem with this. You know, it doesn't impact your gameplay. Once you once your game session starts, they're not going to continue to show you ads. So, it's just while you're waiting. And while you're waiting, are you even paying attention? <laughs> like, I'm not sure that you are. I think you're just waiting for the screen to change and for your game to launch. So I I have a hard time getting upset by this news. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't strike me as surprising by any way. And obviously it doesn't impact me in any way. Full disclosure, we have some NVIDIA in our portfolio. <laughs> we maybe, <laughs> Edward and I. So. Um, I, I, I think that this is the kind of ad insertion that makes you think, well, what else would I be doing now anyway? Exactly. Right. So why not use up that space? I remember back with TiVo when they were experimenting with the idea of playing ads when you paused. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. that seemed way more invasive than this. This is not you wanting a break. This is you just waiting. so yeah, why not show ads i I mean when you're waiting for a movie in the movie theater, you're looking at ads and ad trailers for other movies and which so are just, just ads <laughs> which are ads. So this just makes sense, yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: All right. Well, the other news, the, I don't know what's weirder about this story: the the content or the way that it came to light. So, way back in 2019, when Microsoft first first announced uh, what they called at the time Project X Cloud, which was their project to enable cloud game streaming. They said that one of their goals was to also allow you to stream from a, from a server in the cloud any Xbox games that you own. And we don't, we still in 2024, we still don't have that functionality. We have cloud streaming, but only games that are inside of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. So I own NHL 24, but it's not in. Xbox Game Pass yet, and and it's even if it were, uh, only a subset of Game Pass games are available for cloud streaming. So I can't stream it from the cloud. There is an alternative option. I can stream it directly from my Xbox, but that depends on my home internet. <laughs> so right. that might not be the greatest. It's probably not nearly as good as a Microsoft data center. So the the news here is that Phil Spencer said, yeah, that's coming out this year. You're going to be able to stream games that you own from the cloud this year. The weird part is how this news came to light. A user on Xbox Live messaged Phil Spencer on Xbox Live (laughs) and said, hey, Phil, when are we going to be able to do this? And Phil just replied with, this year. like how how is this the way product announcements happen right. from a, a company the size of Xbox? I don't know, right, but I'm excited either way I, I i think this is good news uh, it's something that people have been waiting a long time for, so hey, like uh, again uh, uh another story that i I can't be mad about, even though it's it's a little bit weird in its delivery uh, i i am I am excited to see this functionality. Eventually come. I I do. I do have to imagine that there will still be restrictions that some of the game publishers will put some limitations on what can be streamed through the The, service. It doesn't really make any sense, but I fully expect it to happen. Yeah. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we will wait for a more official announcement of a date, but it does sound like it's going to happen this year, according to Phil Spencer. And if you're thinking, well, if this is a strategy that works for getting news about xbox products well phil spencer's gamer tag is p3 that's it. it's a two-character <laughs> gamer tag you can send him all the dms you want and then when, when he replies with with breaking news send it to us over at the digital media yes zone. please <laughs> instead please. of just tweeting it yeah let us know and, and we'll break that news for you gladly <sighs> All right, well that's it for our news this week. Richard, let's get
1: dig into what's going on in our entertainment centers. All right. So, I am at our vacation rental this week getting ready for the upcoming season, which I can't believe is starting in a couple of weeks. We have our first rentals. So, usually I go through and I make sure that everything's working properly and I Check all the TVs. And one of the things that's been driving me kind of nuts is that we have Spectrum here. I own Spectrum stock. Um, I want them to do well, but their prices are going up again. Shock it. And their prices are going up again for a variety of reasons. Some of it is licensing. And and then they also decided to jack the rate on their Wrap cable boxes that they <laughs> rent you that used to cost eleven dollars a month and now are going to cost twelve fifty a month. These are Aris boxes. They used to be Motorola. They're actually pretty nice. They're small, they fit behind a television that's mounted on the wall without a lot of visibility. But Spectrum cripples them with their own software. So you have this great box that has all these capabilities. And Spectrum basically dumbs it down to the most basic 10 year ago user interface that you can imagine. And now I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I get rid of these boxes? This is just ridiculous. And I'm looking into whether it's possible maybe to just do streaming here. Can we get streaming TV with accounts? Remember, you have to have an account for this stuff. And it would have to account for all the bedrooms here to have streaming capability. And if we did that, then do we need multiple accounts? Because is there a limit to the number of streams that you could have? And then what about accounts? Remember that experience where you get logged out at home and you get called by your partner while you're traveling because the TV doesn't work and they need to log in? Is that something that our guests who rent here would have to deal with? So I'm trying to figure this out. And I would honestly love to hear from any of our listeners who maybe have rentals and have figured out how to do streaming in a rental, because I would love to get away from these stupid boxes that we're now pay, paying even more for that do nothing. Now, when I'm here, I have a Chromecast in my Richard's kit that he hooks up when he's in the house box. and that Chromecast gives me a great experience with Google TV, but that requires a Google account and it's my Google account and that's accessible and to some extent configurable through any device that's connected. So could I potentially create a new for all intents and purposes, fake, but for the purpose of having Google TV devices in the home Maybe that's an option. I don't know. But it's just so frustrating. There's got to be a better way than old-fashioned cable boxes to get some linear TV on these devices. And and here's something that just kills me. Okay, so I have to rant a little bit more about Spectrum. These boxes have all the channels. And Spectrum offers, to their credit, hundreds of channels that number into the four digits, which is just bonkers. It doesn't matter what channels you get. The guide lists all the channels. So if you have a plan that only gets, let's say, 150 of the, let's say, 500 channels that they offer, then when you flip or select the channel that isn't available, It takes a second, and then it realizes, oh, this isn't something that you have. So it displays a modal dialogue on the television that you have to dismiss. But they use a dark pattern, meaning they design it in a way to make you do what they want you to do, where the selected button is upgrade. And so if you just press OK on your remote, It's going to go to the upgrade path. And then that takes a couple more seconds to realize that, oh no, this account isn't allowed to upgrade anything. So you, the guest, are basically just left out in the cold because your homeowner that you're renting from doesn't care enough to get you all these channels. It's just, it's so ridiculous the way they have this set up for this type of business. It's unbelievable. You can't block them out. You can't I can set up a favorites. I can have a favorites list, but and this is this is great too. So the favorites lists there are multiple have to be named. And even if you only have one, when you decide that you want to go look at the favorites because you can't default it to only show the favorites, like you can in pretty much any other TV service, but you select I want to see the favorites. And you go to the favorites and it asks you which favorites. And there's only one list to pick from. So you pick the favorites list and then it shows you the favorites guide. And then you get to see the things that I would have had to go through on each box and identify as the favorite channels because they're the ones we actually get. That's not going to work. I also tried lockouts. So you can lock things out, but you can't have it set so that it hides the things that you're locking out. No, you still get to them. And then it shows you the thing that says, no, you need a pin to show this. It's just ridiculous. It's unbelievably bad. Spectrum, you need to do better. This is just absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Anyway, enough for my hardware rant. What I've been watching, uh, not a ton because I've been traveling and I'm busy while I'm here, but I am trying to power through the final season of For All Mankind. You may remember I mentioned I was watching some uh, cheat shows to bring me up to speed and remind me what I didn't remember from the prior seasons going into this. So I had done that before and now just started watching and I'm almost finished season four of For All Mankind. It's been really good. Also. I mentioned that the U.S. version of Ghosts has started up again. So last Friday, when a friend was over for dinner, we watched the final episode of season four of The Ghosts from UK. And then we are uh, starting now the new season of Ghosts from the U.S. And this is getting hard to keep track of. couple episodes each of The Courtship of Eddie's Father and The Bob Newhart Show, because those are two quick things I can just jump into quickly. And also went back to watching Marvel's What If. This is an animated series that basically sets up a ton of different what-if scenarios for the Marvel characters and the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they've set forth and you're familiar with if you've seen the movies And they use some of these in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So I'm going back because I've already seen that movie. And now I'm going back to kind of see, okay, what exactly did they set up in these what if scenarios? And that's pretty much it for what I've been watching. And then I started a new ebook. This is a, uh, I think it is the most recent book from my friend David Swinson, who writes crime novels called Sweet Thing. It is in the universe of his other crime novels, but with different characters. So it's not the same protagonist and antagonist as they often have, or he often has in these stories. It's a completely different set of characters, though they're related, which is kind of cool. So enjoying that, almost finished that and I'll probably get to start something else since I have a long drive home at the end of the week. So, that's pretty much it for me, Josh. How about you? What have you been doing in your entertainment center? Well, continue
0: to watch The Expanse. I think I'm in season 5 now. I I I do want to touch on something that I've noticed and I but I haven't fully tested. So, over the last couple of weeks, the, the way that this typically works for me is I only watch The Expanse while I'm running on my treadmill, not outside, obviously. And the, the way that all works is I've got a computer monitor mounted above my treadmill, and then I have a USB-C hub with an HDMI port in it. So the HDMI cable going to the monitor, obviously. And then I plug that USB-C hub into my iPad Air, and this works. It allows me to to use the computer monitor as a secondary display. also works with my MacBook. And the way that it's always worked up until a couple of weeks ago is I'd plug in the hub and it basically just moves the video from the iPad screen to the computer monitor. Now it mirrors it. So the video plays on the iPad and the monitor and... I'm guessing that because the iPad is not a 16 by 9 display, it means that the video on the computer monitor is not full screen. (laughs) Uh, It does not fill up the entire TV. And I don't know what's going on. This happened about the same time that Amazon Prime started adding advertisements to the service. So I'm wondering if that's related, but I have not tried to see if a... If like Netflix or something like that is doing the same thing,
1: yeah. Oh, that. So that's really interesting because I wonder if they did something where they're <laughs> where they're essentially showing you letterboxed content now or something along those lines, as opposed to an an actual full. Yeah, I don't, that's weird. I don't know.
0: It's it's super weird and super annoying, and I wanted to fill up the entire computer monitor.
1: <laughs> is there... So, is there a reason that... Oh, because it's a... Never mind, because it's a PC, right? I'm like, is there a reason that you can't just airplay to your output device, but... Because it's not... Right, it, it's, it's just a monitor. It's yeah. not a TV.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... Right. Because then I use my Bluetooth headphones to, to listen to it. So that's how that works. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep testing that, uh, see if, if something else will work. Um, but even if I can't find a solution, like it, it's not annoying enough that I'm going to give up on watching the expanse. Like I'm still going to finish that show, but it is super annoying. And it, but if it does keep doing this, The next show that I choose to watch while running probably won't be on Amazon Prime. (laughs) It'll be on Netflix or Hulu or something else. I don't know. Plex. I don't know. But this is annoying and I don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the other thing that I started watching just tonight, just before we uh, sat down to record this, there is a new season of Formula One Drive to Survive available on Netflix, Uh, because the Formula One 2024 season starts this weekend. In fact, the first practice is in like nine hours. So uh, yeah, brand new season of Formula One Drive to Survive. My daughter, my oldest daughter, really likes the show, so we are watching it together. Hopefully, maybe for the first time ever, she will actually wait for me and only watch it with me instead of watching way ahead and then feel like I don't have as much of a reason to watch it if we're not going to watch it and experience it together. (laughs) So hopefully I'll make it all the way through this season of Drive to Survive with Eden, but we'll see about that. On the gaming front, decided to try out a new game to me and a new game to Xbox players, at least, but not a new game uh, in any other sense of the word, because this is Final Fantasy XIV which actually launched as a PlayStation 3 game over 10 years ago. (laughs) That's how old this is. Well, so it is an MMORPG set in the Final Fantasy universe, and they just released the open beta uh, or free trial slash beta on Xbox just in the last week. And so I'd been interested in this and decided to try it out. It works fine. The login and registration process is horribly frustrating. It's obviously made for a computer and not for a game console. So if you want to check this out, get your Square Enix account set up ahead of time (laughs) on something with a keyboard and a mouse so that you don't have to deal with all of that on an Xbox controller. So many people say that this game is so good and I've put, I don't know, two or three hours into it so far. And I've been really bored with everything that they've been having me do in this game, and so oh, I reached wow. out. Yeah, I reached out to a a community of gamers at work and asked them. All right, I I know there's people in this group that play Final Fantasy. the the short The, the short version of of my question was basically just, when does this game get interesting? <laughs> and most most of the answers were okay. So there's the base game, and then there's like five expansions, and the first expansion is just okay, but but the rest of the expansions are all really good. Okay. How long is the base game? About 60 hours. So you want me to play Whoa! 60 hours of this base game before it gets good? Yeah. <laughs> and that's not really what they're saying, but that's wow. kind of what it feels like they're saying. And and then on top of that, one of the other main reasons that I was interested in this is it's an MMO that's free because like the base game and I think maybe the first two expansions are free totally but once you get into the newer expansions then you do have to pay a monthly subscription to this game which I think is I don't know 13 14 15 bucks a month it's not nothing but there's so there's tons and you know dozens of hours of free gameplay there but one of my friends that I was looking to play with was reading through the the, the free trial notes. And it says that for free trial players, the only way that they can squat up with other people is if at least one person in the party is not a free trial member. What? Why? (laughs) Yeah. So this may be the last time you hear me talking about Final Fantasy (laughs) XIV. I don't know. I'll give it a... Well, we might give it another try. We'll see how my other friends uh what they think about it and if if that part of in the notes was just wrong or doesn't apply to the xbox we're going to give it a try but i don't have a good feeling about this actually working out for us huh yeah yeah disappointed like i've been waiting years for this to come to, to xbox and maybe uh maybe i shouldn't have been so eager to jump onto this uh and then books um started a new book. Well, new to me, I think this book came out in 2004. It is called The Lions of Lucerne, written by Brad Thor. That name should sound a little bit familiar because Brad Thor was an uh, an author that was suggested through a, a listener feedback email uh, from David a few episodes he, uh, ago. He said, you know, why hasn't Josh read anything by Brad Thor? It sounds like the perfect author for him. <laughs> So I went and found the the start of this uh, big series of books. Like I, I think there's at least fifteen books in this series. It, it wow. might be more than that. And so I thought I might as well start at the beginning. And uh, it it feels very much like a a Tom Clancy Jack Ryan sort of attempt here. You know the the main character is a former Navy SEAL who is now uh, Secret Service for the president, and you know bad things happen. So, and yeah, so I won't give away any more than that. It's good. I'm not done with the book, so I'm not, I'm not going to fully review it. It's, it's good, but it also does kind of feel like the first book, (laughs) maybe the first book from this author. I don't know if it's his first book uh, or if it's just the first book in the series, but it has so many cliches, Mm. like the the one that really sticks out in my head was uh, something like, uh, you know, the, the main character, whatever his name is, doesn't like to take pain medications because they, uh, you know, they give him a blurry mind and his mind is his most dangerous weapon. And I'm just like, <laughs> uh, my eyes can't roll anymore right, than they're right. rolling right now. <laughs> right. Can we lay off on the, on the ridiculous cliches? And like all of the effort... the author goes into to you know call out in fine detail all of the different details of the guns that are being used and and all of that stuff to to try to prove to the author that this guy knows the the source and it's like it it just feels like you're showing off it doesn't feel like you're doing this for my benefit maybe that Mm -hmm. gets better in the series and none of it is like so bad that that i am gonna stop reading the book or anything like that it's it's still a good book i'm still enjoying it. I just hope that maybe as these go along, we get less of that. So that is The Lions of Lucerne by Brad Thor. And that's it for what's going on in my entertainment center. So if you'd like to get a hold of us, send us your book recommendations or tell me how to make Amazon Prime video work correctly from my iPad to my (laughs) computer monitor. (laughs) You can get a hold of us in a bunch of different ways. I'm on Twitter at Josh Pollard, so is the website at DigiMediaZone, and Richard and I are both on Mastodon, that's the only place you can really find Richard, he's at Richard Gunther, I'm Josh Pollard over there. We, most weeks, will do the show live, but sometimes, you know, things don't work out like this week, but right now our schedule is Wednesdays, but you know, by the time Richard comes back, I might be able to do Tuesdays again, (laughs) so. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So follow us on social media to know for sure. And then once you do show up, we use Twitch and you can subscribe to us there and Twitch will automatically notify you as soon as we go live to know for sure when we're going to be live. We are also posting videos for these things over on YouTube. So go and subscribe to our YouTube channel to get all of the latest news there also because that's going to do it for episode 641. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.